I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Francis, you know I think I'm a bit of a superhero, right? In what sense? Well, just in the sense that I um, I do a lot of good. Oh, yeah? What's that? What kind of good have you done? Uh, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Uh, I, I, a lot of stuff I've done. I've done a lot of good. Um, yeah? Like what? Ah, just too too many things to tell you about. Way too many things. Couldn't even couldn't even tell you all the things that I've done which are good. It would take too long. But I've done a lot of good, and um, that's the first thing. And secondly, um, I'm a bit of a bit of a fitness machine. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So <coughs> well, I'll so believe that I'm when saying, I see it. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, the guest that we have on today, me and him are pretty similar. Uh, in that you're both, you know, under five foot eight. <laughs> no, in the sense that we're both resilient, strong, courageous. You know, he he also called me the modern day Shackleton, so there we go. Did he say that? Yeah, he said that. So what 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 would you say is your uh, your great feat? My great feat? Yeah, what what would you say is what what have you achieved that's uh, akin to Shackleton's achievement? Ten years of Made in Chelsea. Uh, well, that is uh, that is one <laughs> form of Everest. Or <laughs> hello, everybody! Uh, welcome to the podcast today. I um, hope everyone's okay in self isolation, self quarantine. We have a brilliant podcast you today with the amazing, the awesome, the legendary uh, Ross Edgley. Now, Ross is the only way he's a He's a beast. He's a machine. He's a, a human. He bit off his tongue. He bit off his tongue. He's a human uh, robot in the terms of what he has achieved his life. He's swum around Great Britain. He's known for that. It was called the Great British Swim. He has climbed a rope, uh, the equivalent to climbing Everest. He's d- pulled a Mini Cooper uh, around Silverstone in a marathon. He's done a marathon pulling a Mini. He's done so many things. And what he believes in is that your mind is stronger than what you believe, that you can push yourself through anything if you really put your mind to it. We spoke today on the podcast. France and I had a real big laugh. We're still in self-quarantine, so we're not in the same room together. But we had fun, didn't we, buddy? It was good. It was a good episode. It's a great inspirational. episode. Inspirational. Inspirational. A big shout out to Ross's book as well, The Art of Resilience, which is coming out in a month, and you can pre-order it now, so go and grab that. Um, I'm ready for this one, buddy. Are you? Let's do it. Hey, let's do this, kids. Ross Edgley. Ladies and gentlemen, what? Ross I, I Edgley. I intro that bit. Yeah, but that's normally my... All right. Well, let's, okay, well... Ladies and gentlemen, allow us to introduce the man, the legend... Ross, Ross Edgley. Edgley. We did it. We did it at the same time. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're on. We're on. I I feel like I feel like um. Do you, do you remember? I said this before, but I feel like do you remember back in the day when you used to go on chat roulette and you used to 
have a look at like those things that would pass by. I feel like this is a little bit like chat roulette. I feel like we've come into a forum, uh, three of us together. Didn't you used to, w- weren't you one of those uh, guys wanking on chat roulette, Jamie? <laughs> no, I would never. Why would, what, how, so you, also, how would you, what? firstly, firstly if, why would you know if I was one of those you guys? You told me. When we lived I, together, you said, oh, I, I used to wank on there to all the girls. <laughs> Ross, did you ever go on chat? Ross, did you ever go on chat roulette? This is not something I'm familiar with. <laughs> You're not familiar with chat roulette? Oh my god, chat roulette was this thing when I was at university. Because we're we're about the same age. You were born in '85, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. October thirteenth. Yeah. Good knowledge. You've done your research. Uh, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So we're basically the same age, all of us. And chat roulette, when I was at university, was one of these places where you would go onto this forum and you would have little windows like this that would pop up and you would like skim. So you would go next or you would stay with these people and you could chat to random strangers in the world. My friend Amy Ram once came, which is on chat room, came and started chatting to Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Yeah. At what, at, what, at what point does masturbating come into it? Why did Francis run off and that? He always goes down that route. That's well, that no, that's does. what you told me. I, I only look, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Jamie said <laughs> that that's what he used to do when he was at university. With, with all these things, Ross, I think what happens at the end is that everyone has like a lot of fun, and then slowly by slowly, yeah, it just turns into masturbation, like with everything. <laughs> this is already the most new podcast I've ever been on. Never before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, get, get ready for it, buddy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Private Parts Podcast. This is where we read the most intimate and sort of details of our lives. We have on the podcast today, Ross Edgley. Woohoo! I did that. Intro. Yeah, sorry, but I did that by myself in my room. It sounded very weird doing that. Um, Buddy, listen, first, before we kick things off, I, I think a lot of people will say this, you're, you're one of my heroes in life, and I think many people around the world. You're such a legend. No, I've got a very niche skill set. I'm just, I'm good at floating and eating. That's basically what I'm good at. I'm not like... <laughs> That's a total lie. You're, you're much better at loads of things than just the floating and eating. Um, because you are, you were in 2016, this you were, you were nominated to be top, uh, top 50 fittest men in the world. Yeah, which was nice. But honestly, I do think it's, yeah, that's probably a what, stretch. What was it? Who, who nominated you? The World Health Organization? Or? <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> that would have been better, right, Francis? A more credible The, U- the UN? <laughs> <laughs> where, where was this, uh, this, this ranking? I believe it was. It might have been Ask Men, so it was or, or uh, Men's Health. I can't actually remember. So I kind of wish it was the World Health Organization at the moment. I mean, that would have been much better, right? But no, it seems less credible now. <laughs> no, right. Listen, listen. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I've uh, I've got top hundred. I got Heat's top hundred hottest guys list once, and then I got. Weren't you I, the bo- weren't you the bottom ten worst dressed? Well, you know, you're the top 10 worst dressed in the yeah, world. Yeah. yeah, top 10 worst dressed in GQ. And I was also top 100 heat. Francis got top weird crush in heat. Didn't you get hey. that? Fr- <laughs> hey, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like such a backhanded compliment. But no, that's, yeah, that's- yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then once I was in heat, um, and I got torso of the week, and I looked really fat, and that <laughs> it was not a good torso. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Ross, hey, listen, I, I, I want you're you're the best person to talk about these things with. Um, and actually, before we kick things off, I want to give a shout out to your book, The Art of Resilience, which I'm holding right now a copy of. If it have is, you read it, Jamie? I, I'm I'm going to start to read this. My book this week. I'm starting to read. I'm not even kidding. This is the book that I'm starting to read this week. Um, and you know, it's all it, it says on the front cover: strategies for an unbreakable mind and body. And it's your second book, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so this one is is uh, is exactly that. It sort of more goes on to um, the psychology as well as as sort of the physicality of of mental and physical fortitude. We kind of we look at the two, and I think it's it's kind of looking at like the ancient Greeks. When you look at Plato, you know he obviously influenced Western philosophy as we know it today. But but Plato wasn't his name; it was his nickname. It actually means broad shoulders, and he was a great gymnast and wrestler at the same time. So this this book, in some ways, kind of crosses over from fitness into mental fortitude as well. And, and, and a book like that, right? Could, there couldn't be a better book at the moment of what we're going through because at the moment we're in, stuck in self quarantine, self isolation. People are freaking out and worried about so many things, and it's about about training your mind as well as much as keeping fit at the moment to keep everything just going and working properly, right? Because at the moment it's a pretty tricky situation that we're in, isn't it? It's exactly that. I suppose what was strange is um, swimming around Great Britain, you exist in this world of sensory deprivation. So you're swimming for 12 hours a day, um, day and night. You can't see anything, hear anything. So you're just left alone with your own thoughts. So strangely, a lot of the strategies that I used, you know, I'm kind of now talking. And that's why I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to chat to you guys about it, because I think all we can do really is just exchange notes on how we're coping. And for mm. me, um, Stoicism, for those who don't know, um, ancient Stoic philosophy, thousands of years old, um, but it teaches you basically to control your emotions in adverse conditions. And Zeno of Citium, who was the founder, he talked about this idea of controlling the controllables and accepting the uncontrollables. And I think right now it, it's so relevant in that Unless you are a, uh, a medical professional, you know, you're not probably going to influence anything on, on vaccine research. Unless you are a political leader, you can't really do anything about government legislation. But what you can control is identifying each day, segmenting your day into what can I control? Okay, you know, I can look at my training, my nutrition, my sleep. You know, I can look after loved ones. I can, you know, look at relationships that I perhaps had neglected in the past. And now I can spend more time with my girlfriend, boyfriend, dad, mum, you know, whatever it is. So it's segmenting the controllables versus the uncontrollables that I, th I think is one of the main themes of the book that hopefully people can relate to now. I mean, we, we were just chatting off, off, off air. You guys are doing that now, right? So what are the controllables that you're using? I know, Francis, you're, you're running a lot. Doing basically ultra oh, well, no, I mean, I, I, I was joking. I'm not really running it. I'm doing, I'm doing some, uh, I, I, I've got a kettlebell, so I'm doing a lot of kettlebell exercises. Because, uh, because, uh, so, Ross, uh, what, you, what you probably don't know is I do a lot of jujitsu normally. Oh, here so we I, go, Ross. Here so, we go. Here we go. So, so, so I, uh, so I, 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 it's, it's been a, um, which is actually, I find jujitsu kind of like, um, because it's so addictive, I find it kind of like a treadmill almost in in your life because it keeps you going back, you know, and it, it keeps you going back to uh, that constant uh, form of cardio and uh, and 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 exercise, and it motivates you to then go and do weights and 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 yoga all to further your uh, advancement in jujitsu. But without that, I'm having to kind of do my own, make up my own like little uh, solo training r routines, and also use my girlfriend as a sort of grappling dummy. 
Well, <laughs> wait, brothers, wait. What do you mean? What, what is your little routine you do with your kettlebells? Do you just start? Do you swing them in the kitchen? Yeah, I do. Yeah, exactly. I, that's what exactly what I do. I have a I have a little kettlebell routine, and then I do 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 solo um, solo jujitsu drills, and then obviously do some stuff with with uh, my girlfriend. Yeah, I've sent you a video. You know, you know what I'm doing. I know exactly what you're doing. I find it, Ross, it's interesting because I, I think you're so right in saying at the moment we have to control the things that we control rather than trying to control the things that we can't control. And, and that actually... We, yeah, go on. And that actually is what causes anxiety, right? Is because we worry and are concerned and try and change the things that we that we have no control over. So we start to freak out because we're like, well, we can't change those things, but we really want to try and change it. So yeah, that's what I was saying. I, I can't go to jujitsu. So what I can control is I can do... Uh, kettlebell swings. <laughs> but, that's true, though. That's legit. So, like, so looking now, saying, okay, I can't practice technique. I can't pa- practice a lot of things that you know the, the technicality of jujitsu. But what you can improve is through circuit training, your anaerobic threshold, strength, uh, various things. <clears throat> if you've got pull-up bars, looking at grip variations. Yeah. So it's looking at what can you control that replicates that's going to make you a better jujitsu pr- practitioner when you get out. So you'll do it, you know, whether consciously or subconsciously, you're practicing stoicism with your jujitsu and your girlfriend in a way. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get prison fit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get prison fit, it's too good. Ross, listen, we also got to, because, you know, I suppose you shot to fame, right, is when you did the Great British Swim. That's when lots of people started to take notice, which is basically you swam around the whole of Great Britain. That's, I mean, that it, how many, 170-odd days that, of swimming? Yeah, 157 in the end, yeah. Wow. 1,780 miles. It's nearly half a year, Jamie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, Francis. Thanks very much. It's nearly half a year. That is mental. That is the most mental thing I've ever heard. I don't understand what, like, I, okay, I've been asked before. They've said, hey, do you want to do a 24-hour tennis match? And I've gone, oh, God, that would be intense. All right, so I did that. What gets to the point, and you've been asked all these questions before, but I need to ask, what gets you to the point? What wakes you up in the morning and you go, fuck it, I'm going to swim round Great Britain. That's what I'm going to do. What what you, what gets you into that? You guys will get this, I think. So it, it, I don't know what it is, but there's something. It, it's very British. It's like it's in our nature. It's in our DNA. But Captain Webb, so 1875, first guy to swim across the English Channel, and people said like it can't be done. They said it's just impossible. You can't swim across the English Channel. The tides are too like tides are too strong. Water's too cold. Cannot be done. But Captain Webb, who was who was a Navy officer at the time, he left his job. And he started training in the Thames and he was just drilling, like just swimming in the Thames against the tides and water. And then on, on a diet of beef broth and brandy, which his cousin and his brother gave him off the boat, he just, <laughs> in, in a woolen wetsuit as well, he goes- So and, heavy. <laughs> I know, I know. He goes and swims breaststroke all the way across. And this is the part I love because at the time front crawl was ungentlemanly like. So he just smashes it breaststroke all the way across, something like 26 hours. So the current record, I believe, is around six hours. You know, so in comparison, you know, really quite slow. But it was just the fact that he, what he did at the time, people just said it was impossible. It just couldn't be done. And for me, when I said I wanted to swim around Great Britain, people were like, it can't be done. It's impossible. Cape Roth, um, Corrievecan Giant Whirlpool in Scotland. Like, you, you just can't do it. Shipping lanes. And I was just like, that feels like Captain Webb. So I was like, right, fine, hold my beer, and and off I went. 
how much how much how much do you take because because you, you seem to like your history how much do you admire all of these sort of explorers and adventurers and kind of people and um back in the back in history how much do you take kind of spirit from them and kind of see what they've done and try and improve it uh, i'm glad you asked like loads I, i'm such a sort of historian and i study adventure as well as it's like the history and science of adventure so um, for instance, like Shackleton, you know, Shackleton, one of the greatest. Love Shackleton, my boy. Right, right. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. there was an element there that what I loved about Shackleton, there was a, there was a story about, um, I believe it was the Arctic or Antarctic, I can't remember which, but during an expedition, um, he kept a, uh, a Christmas pudding in his sock and he was going to pull it out at the opportune moment when his men were just, when morale was at an all-time low. He kind of knew that resilience was best served with food. You know, so he kept this this Christmas pudding in his sock. And when his men were just absolutely on their asses, just like, I cannot go on, he just whips out this Christmas pudding. And he was like, lads, oh yeah. And it lifted. I, mate, I would be like, are you fucking joking? That's been in your sock. I'd be like, are you... What you, this is what you've held why, why all, in his all sock rather yeah. than his, like, <laughs> you know. No, it never, no, I did read Francis today. I don't know. But it was just this idea of, you know, like, even right now, I know it sounds strange, but, but in isolation, that's something that I look forward to. You know, me and my girlfriend, she's a great cook. So we will really, like, you know, marinade barbecue ribs. We'll cook, like, a homemade cheesecake. You know, and it's, you know, boosting. My- yeah. <laughs> now you're talking Daddy Ross. There we go, baby. All right. But listen, but it's, it's, I totally agree with you. But what's, okay, Shackleton, for example, and, and, and maybe I'm totally wrong with this, but Shackleton, when he went across the Arctic with all of his men, they were, um, if, I don't know, 40 miles from, was he 40 miles to, for, to the end? And he decided to turn back because he didn't want to take his men that far. He knew they would die. And so he took them back. And so is, is that right? It was something like that. Am I, am I correct in that, where he turned his men around? There, there is. I mean, with the whole, it's exactly what you just talked about, leadership there. The, yeah. The, the very fact when Endeavour, his ship went down in the Antarctic off Elephant Island. So this was Antarctica during that kind of widely... Um, documented uh, expedition that went woefully bad, but his men survived because it was exactly that, that he was just looking after his men first and foremost. It was it, The story's incredible. But, but surely there was a point that means when you're doing the Great British Swim where you were just literally, was there a point where you, as the leader of it, you had to go, maybe this is not going to work. Maybe this is not going to work out because, you know, you've spoken to me or you bit half your tongue off. Like, uh, didn't you? Half you, your or, tongue or, off? Didn't you, didn't, didn't you? I think you said that to me or someone said that to me. You bit half your tongue off. You you were called the, you had a nickname, which was the, the blubber whale or something like that. What was it? It's true. So I feel I need to explain it to Francis because I see his face. Yeah. No, it's, it's recovered now. But so you basically, by swimming for 12 hours a day, like, you know, no one, it was the world's longest uh, stage sea swim. So no one had ever been in the water for five months before. So, of course mm. they haven't. Of course they haven't. No one has. <laughs> so we didn't know what was going to happen to the human body. Like, you're just not <clears> meant to be. That salt water will just erode away. So basically, you get what's called salt tongue where the moisture is completely sapped from your tongue and it just starts to disintegrate, essentially. Oh, oh my God. So I was, I was weeks in, only a few weeks in, and um, I'm sitting in the, uh, in the galley with the rest of the team and we're served um, this amazing soup, you know, rich vegetable soup. It was gorgeous. And we're all sitting there and I'm, I'm you know, drinking my soup. And, and then I look over and the captain, Matt Knight, I turn over to him and I look at his soup and I look back at mine and I say, hang on, um, why is... Why has mine got meat in it? 
and he just leant over and looked into my bowl and went, that's that's your tongue oh, <laughs> oh my god my tongue in my seat. did no, they sew it back on so it was didn't didn't need sewing back on necessarily like it i mean also as well what's strange is that it grows back doesn't it It grows back remarkably fast yeah so i could like just pull parts of it off and see the taste of what's on it but then for anyone listening who finds themselves in a similar situation coconut oil so coconut oil put it in your mouth oh yeah and it acts as a barrier and also serves to moisturize the tongue so and it's an antimicrobial as well put a coconut is exactly it. It's exactly yeah. it. So that's what we yeah. were doing every time. I knew a micro microcrygrobable. There we go. I knew exactly what it was. <laughs> where were you when I needed yeah. you on the boat, Francis? We needed yeah. you. On- yeah. <laughs> Ross, where was I for the morale? I would have been just cheering on. Go, Ross. Keep going, buddy. <laughs> Wait. Going. No, Jamie, he didn't need another microbe there. So. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. <laughs> Ross, I'm just gonna keep it, but that that is insane, man. That that's unbelievable. That you that it's what I find just fascinating. And I've I've heard a lot of your podcasts and a lot of your different things that you do. And you have your own podcast as well, don't you? When when I can get around to it, when I'm not yeah, when you get around to it. But you have your your own podcast. But what's amazing about you is your mindset. And um, I've I've seen I've heard you speak on other podcasts. I see there's a chapter in your book as well, which is about like Roger Bannister, for example. And you can explain it better how he was the first person to break the four minute mile, but everyone said it can never be done. It can't be done. And when he broke the four minute mile, the amount of people the next year who then broke the four minute mile was incredible, right? Because it's about people going, oh, he's done it, so now I can do it. And how do you get yourself mentally? Because I think this is so important for the current situation now, where people are worried about losing their jobs. Or they're worried about um, not losing going, their lives, losing their lives, and all these different things. How do you mentally get yourself to a place where you can go? No, I can do this when you've never done it before. How do you get yourself there? Because that's insane. Do you know what? So I love, I love that you use the Roger Bannister example. I mean, a hero of mine. And um, it's exactly that. So basically, Tim Noakes, a famous scientist, he came up with this idea of the central governor theory. And he said that fatigue is an emotionally driven state that we use to pull the physiological handbrake to stop us doing damage to ourselves. So as an example, what he meant by that was, say me and and, and you, we, we all went for a run right now and we were running a marathon. 18 miles into that marathon, muscle glycogen, so the body stored carbohydrates, running dangerously low, blood sugar levels low, dehydrated, fatigued, all of these things, 18 miles in, you start hitting that wall. And all of a sudden, what would happen is, you know, Jamie, you might turn around to me and go, my God, Ross, I can't go on. My legs are on fire. You know, I've bit off my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's exactly Ross, you. don't use me as an example. Don't use me as an example because I'd never get there. I would just he'd, keep he'd going. He'd be at like I, four I, miles. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd be like, Ross, why are you complaining? Fucking my glycogen. On, <laughs> Do you know what? I love that you mentioned that. It's all relative. So it might happen at four miles. But what wouldn't happen, happen to me at four miles. It would ha- would ha- I would finish it and say, let's do another one. That's what I would say. 
so you would you your body you would basically be going like like jamie what are you doing this is dangerous like you're going to exhaustion so your brain this is what tim notes theorized central governor theory that your brain's really tricky it's very conniving and it'll get you to pull that physiological handbrake because it doesn't want you to go to complete exhaustion it's self-preservation it's going whoa, whoa stop slow down or stop altogether because you're going to do damage to yourself so all of a sudden consciously or subconsciously you slow down would have all experienced this all of a sudden 25 miles in your family and friends are there you know your girlfriend's there she's cheering you on hey, oh yeah sophie's there going go on jamie oh she's got like an amazing pizza she's saying you're going to be done in a beer at the end so what happens all of a sudden your brain sees the end and it lifts that physiological handbrake and you start sprinting you see it time and again people sprint it's like hang on at 18 miles yeah. you said you were dead so what's happened well all of a sudden the brain goes no no, no i can see the end this is all going to be over so yeah. you lift that physiological handbrake because you well, no that's... longer need to self-preserve. So when, once you know that, you know. And what's interesting is when you look back through the Navy SEALs, when they call it the 40% rule, when, when you are completely on your ass and you can't go on, actually, you're only at 40%. Well, that's the thing. So, so I remember be, I, used to, I used to row quite competitively at, at school, and I remember, you know, in the last sort of in the, in, in the last sort of five hundred uh, meters of a two-kilometer sprint, and you, you know, you you feel like your whole body, you're just like in your head, you're like, I just can't pull any anymore. Like this is that's it. And then you know, you you, you hear the cocks say, Oh, you you're, you've got two hundred fifty meters. You know, you know, you know, forty strokes left till the end. 30, 30 strokes left to the end. And uh, and and you just find that second wind, and it's and it's an amazing feeling to 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 find that you know that that you can actually push yourself beyond what you 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 feel like you're capable of. Yeah. It's exactly, Francis. That's the best example I think. Rowing. Um, I, I trained with the the Cambridge team. Don't say that to Francis. Do not say that to Francis. Look look how smug he is. Look how smug he is over Skype. He is so smug right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Or even even jujitsu in a competition, it's it's uh, you you know you're in the, in the last minute you're like oh god this is exhausting but you just find that second win because you don't want to like get tapped out you don't, you know it's exactly that but but rowing especially Steve Trapmore a head coach at Cambridge rowing and he said it best to me he said it's like looking down the barrel of a gun it, it, it's gonna go off it's just how much you're prepared to suffer and I think when you look at even uh, like James Cracknell that was one thing with James Cracknell that he could just suffer more than anyone else yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Redgrave had um, obscene power um, uh, Matthew Pinson had the VO2 the lung capacity of a horse but with Cracknell yeah, of a mare horse didn't he? he had a lung capacity of a mare horse something crazy obscene Jamie yeah but with Cracknell they were like he, he will literally suffer more than anyone else he's prepared to go mm. to places and but I love what you just said there and, and it's the same that throughout life it's the same we humans we're so we love homeostasis where our body's just at a habitual level with comfort our comfort zone we like that and all the time we're trying to preserve that because that's our brain central governor theory it's going no 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 this is nice don't go out there don't go on a run self-preserve stay in bed and when you know that when you understand the science and you're conscious of it that's when you can actually keep pushing yeah. beyond because it doesn't matter if you're doing uh, 10 reps like if we were all in the gym and i was like right put 100 kg on the bar and start benching you go no i can't do that i'm like no 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 already that's your central governor theory you're telling yourself because of self-preservation you can do it if it's a run if it's a row if it's jujitsu it's the same principle and that's why in the book we please say yeah these were the things that helped me on the gb swim but they're so relevant to just everybody everybody you'll come across it in daily life mm.
But but how do you, Ross? How do you get yourself to that place? Because surely no one taught you that. No one said that to you. How do you get your? How did you manage to persuade yourself that? Because for example, say I go on like a run, right? I go on a run and I do like a three mile, four mile, five mile run, whatever it is, and I push myself. And at the end, I'm like, oh, that was exhausting, huh? And I do. You get to a point where your brain kind of sort of stops yourself. How do you get your? How do you push yourself? How do you take that handbrake off? How do you mentally? Because basically, what you're saying you want to do is you you want to mentally throughout a race or a swim or whatever it is constantly believe that the finish is just ahead of you so therefore you're not you're you're metaphorically thinking that no matter you're thinking that it's just there when in fact you've only just started you have to always think oh the finish is just there how do you get that feeling within you yeah so that what's really interesting right there so we, we talk about this in the book but i'm going to try and condense it right now so what they talk about and this is again when you look back through i mean over 10 years of research with myself the royal marine said it best where they just said focus on the process and the outcome becomes inevitable. So don't yeah, yeah. think about it's just around the corner. And this was something as well. We were speaking off air. I mean, Arj, um, I love Arj. He's my boy. And when, when I was coaching him um, for Sink or Swim on Channel 4, it was interesting because Arj was always saying, like, how far is it? When's the end? How long until we get there? And I used to look him dead in the eye and go, stop. I want you to think about putting one arm in front of the other as efficiently yeah. as possible and, the, and then the outcome will become inevitable. But stop thinking. Stop clock watching. Stop thinking how far now. Stop looking up. Just focus on the process. And what Francis has mentioned with jiu-jitsu, I think, is a great example because the process is its own reward. You're not yeah. thinking, am I going to get choked out? Is he bigger than me? Is he smaller than me? When's this over? No, you're just in the moment thinking, oh, God, he's got my arm. He's taken my back. Oh, he's got his hooks in. You know, uh, well, no, actually, I mean, I'm normally the one taking the back and, <laughs> and the arm, but um, but 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 the but the point is, I think you're, it's it's the incremental gains, you know, that you can make on a, on a you know on on a daily basis that that get you to, like you, you you know you're in great shape, but you didn't say I want to get into that shape. You said, okay, I'm going to do this and follow this regimen, and and you know that's what I'm going to focus on, and then eventually, uh, you know, you got you got the the dream body. <laughs> no, this is exactly <laughs> I don't know about that but it is Francis you would look ridiculous if you had Ross's body you would look absolutely outrageous hey. you'd look you'd look dumb if you had his body because <laughs> you would look you'd look so you'd look so ripped with a weird kind of head it'd be unbelievable Ross because also but that's um yeah I, I suppose we had I had uh uh, I spoke to, we've had a few people on the podcast, like Foxy, who was in, um, he's in SES Who Dares Wins, and we've had Billy Billingham and people like that. And actually what Ollie Ollerton said to me, which was an interesting thing, he said, when you go through the, I think it was Ollie Ollerton, when you go through military training, when you do those, that they call it like the death week or death two weeks, and they give you into the sort of stress positions and they, they put headphones on you and they, they um, you know, just completely deprive you of sleep and everything, and it's really hectic. He says, you can't think that this is going to be 48 hours of hell. You can't go, it's going to be 48 hours. You just go, okay, let me get through the next minute. Okay, through the next minute. Okay, through the next two minutes. And it's just about that. And the same thing went for when, the, when uh, if you've ever seen the documentary Touching the Void, where the two climbers... Right, Touching the boys? I haven't... <laughs> that's not... That's your... T- I'm not into that, Jamie. <laughs> 
<laughs> with the two climbers were climbing up k2 and the 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 sort of they went up the back way which is like the hardest one and one of his friends fell off um and he had it was the decision to cut the rope that he was holding him up with and he decided to cut the rope and he went down his friend climbed back to safety having a broken spleen and back and all these different things and the way the friend who fell survived was the same thing he said if i can get to that rock which is 10 meters away okay i'll be okay then if i can get that thing and it's just like you said putting one arm in front of the other and that's what kind of gets you there isn't it it is and, and and also as well i mean not to sort of get morbid as well but in the book we talk about um and it was one of my favorite stories but um admiral stockdale who survived over seven years as a prisoner of war in vietnam um being tortured sleep deprived you know horrific conditions and he was actually a massive uh, practitioner of uh, stoicism and one thing that he used, and it's, it's since become known as the Stockdale Paradox, where it's this idea that you cannot afford to lose sight of hope. So you need hope. You, you must always know that this will be over. But at the same time, you cannot afford to not face up to your current reality. So he saw time and again people coming into the, these, these concentration camps and they were saying, oh, it, it, it's going to be over uh, when Christmas comes. When Christmas comes, this is all over. They were focusing on the outcome. All of a sudden, yeah. Christmas came. They weren't out. They crumbled. Like the lockdown. Honestly, it's exactly it, Francis. It's exactly the, it. The, we're going to be in lockdown till Christmas. <laughs> Francis, it's honestly it. That I think some people are like going, well, when's, when's this going to be over? When's it going to be No, no, no. Stockdale paradox. Think like we will get out of this. It absolutely, a vaccine, herd immunity, whichever outcome you want, there will be an exit strategy. It will happen. However, <laughs> at the same time, this is our current reality and it's absolutely fine. And I think, like, again, consciously or subconsciously, um, like, Jamie, to use you as an example, like, your makeup tutorial, Sophie, I was in stitches. And you are just someone who's... Thank you. Thank you, Ross. He's lost the plot. He's lost the plot. plot. Listen, just making fun content for people to survive during lockdown. I'm just, I'm an entertainer, Francis. That's what I'm, an entertainer. Desperate for those uh, YouTube subscribers. And and I wanted to talk about this as well, though, because this is something that you mentioned, um, you know, like Foxy and Ollie Ollerton. So they'll be familiar with this, but it's something that I learned from the Royal Marines, which is their motto being cheerfulness in the face of adversity. And a lot of people would just kind of say it as a bit of a throwaway comment. But within the book, we delve deeper. And there was this amazing study done, um, Journal of uh, Frontiers of Neuroscience, where they had cyclists cycle to complete exhaustion. And as they did, they showed these cyclists either pictures like subliminal cues. So so split second pictures that barely registered on a conscious level. And they showed them pictures of people smiling or frowning. And as they showed them this, they showed objectively that people shown pictures of people smiling cycled further and were more resistant to fatigue. So this Ah. is, and and, and at the end they said, oh, we still don't kind of know how this works, but it kind of does. Then you've got the Royal Marines talking about cheerfulness in the face of adversity that they've been practicing for hundreds of years. You've got Shackleton, you've got, you know, um, Captain Webb. So throughout history, there's been these great people who have understood in the science of a smile. And so genuinely, I wanted to say, like, Jamie, what you put out with your content is incredible. And I'm not, I'm not just, you're a modern day shadow. Ross, and- Ross I know. I'm, I, listen, I'm a modern day Columbus. I know. That's well, actually, what a I lot think, of people uh, say. A lot of people, it's, it's what's being whispered on the streets right now. That is I guess, modern I guess day it, Columbus. I guess it makes sense. Like, if you were in the last, like, 500 metres of a marathon 
and like everyone just started booing you. <laughs> that is such a good Your performance point. would probably be, be affected, I think. <laughs> but, 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 Ross, do you want to hear something even more hilarious? Is that I have done these sort of entertaining videos trying to entertain people during uh, lockdown. I've lost 8,000 followers because of it. <laughs> so, really? So I've on, gone on Instagram? Down, on Instagram, I've gone down 8,000 followers. People have gone, do you know what? This is bullshit, Jamie. Fuck off. That's what they've, <laughs> they've literally gone. They've done those things. Ross, was there a point when you were swimming? Because was there ever a point um, where you thought, I don't know if I can do this? I, interestingly, uh, not. And, and I was asked this just because a few people said um, it was amazing that you didn't cry. Uh, we never saw you like feeling bad about yourself. But, but I was like, no, 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 no. But that's not for some heroic reason. Like I wanted to cry. There was times it was, you know, jellyfish hanging off my face. Oh, yeah. God. It was awful. It was like, but equally, you if, if I knew logically, and this goes back to stoicism, logically, removing all emotion... If I wanted to cry, that was going to eat into the time that I should have been eating or sleeping or, or resting. So You're a machine. You're a machine. It's not. But, but you try to think like that, actually, in some ways that you just go, it's just not going to help. So feeling sorry for myself isn't going to help. And then also reminding myself that no one was making me do this. I, I said I was going to swim around Great Britain. So if I was going to cry, then just, just go back on land. Ross, that, that's what makes it harder. No, it was it was your own. I tell you, one of the best people in the world with mental um, kind of uh, strength is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, when he, if you've ever watched um, Pumping Iron, the documentary with Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, he, he, you know, they they weren't. I don't think they were taking steroids and things like that, and, and muscle enhancements back then. They were just kind of pumping iron pretty much really hard. I no, think I think he was on steroids. At okay, that maybe point. he was on steroids. I don't know, but anyway. He wasn't on steroids. He was just natural. Anyway, but the whole point was is that he said the reason why I'm the best is because I pushed myself further than anyone. And it was no one else pushing him. It was he himself. It was just him pushing himself to do it. And that is, that's why I have to have a... The God, I sound... That's why I have to have a personal trainer because I can't push myself in the gym because I'm like, I just can't do this. But it's amazing when you mentally get past that and you go, no, I'm just doing it for me and for no one else. That is actually... The, the the purest form of happiness because you're not looking for you're not looking for external happiness you're looking for internal happiness but I, I think also going back to what we were talking about uh, before uh, the podcast like a lot of the sort of mental health issues these days I think a lot of it uh, can be solved with stoic philosophical pr principles you know people actually just realizing that you know life is tough and and it's not it's, ne it's never going to be easy and, you, and you're you're going to feel sad sometimes but you've just got to be you've got to observe that accept it and and and, and maintain a stoic uh, approach to life and responsibility and, and and what i loved about what you both said there is is that idea of suffering is a part of life and stoicism says yeah suffering is real like it happens you're going to be sad but then i love what jamie said there as well about um this idea of pursuing a goal so and i love this and i hope i don't butcher it but, but basically the ancient stoics and the ancient greeks aristotle specifically talked about um eudaimonia and he talks about like the, the purpose in life is not to be happy, it's to achieve eudaimonia. Because they believe that happiness doesn't quite, as a word, it doesn't quite define what you should be looking for. Happiness almost like says that you should avoid um, fatigue. Suffering, yeah. 
It's more of an Epicurean kind of. Yes, exactly. It's exactly it. Whereas with eudaimonia, they talk about this idea that you should suffer. You should pick something that's going to be hard and you should suffer and suffering is going to be a part of it. But when you get there, what you achieve is not happiness. It's eudaimonia. So it's like it's fulfillment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's this idea. Happiness without fulfillment is failure. And I love that. It's this idea that if I gave you a million pounds right now, you'd take a million pounds, you'd be happy. It's a million pounds. But would you achieve eudaimonia if you earned that million pounds from what you love, from writing, from a song, yeah, 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 yeah. sport that you play? And I think once you understand that, if people say, what, what do you want to do in life? It's like, I don't want to be happy. I want to achieve eudaimonia. Then there's that. There's a shit. Uh, well, I, would just, I would get it wrong. I'd say, I just want to achieve pneumonia. And they'd be like, what do you mean you want to achieve pneumonia but that's the thing and, and also you know I, I've said this before but the but the Buddha famous said life is suffering you know it, it's the constant uh, um, loss of what's what, what once was right you know and people kind of mourn that you know that the, the past in that way and life is hard um, but but we we can achieve fulfillment uh, by uh, by by assuming responsibility uh, for, for for things in our life goals whatever it may be um, a, a stoic mindset uh, and, and and that's 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 how we find meaning which is also you know how we how we, how we achieve fulfillment hey 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 Ross listen um, we we have to end part one there because we've just been running I just looked at our timing we've been going on Jesus we've been talking about a lot about this team. Yeah. We can just, hey, we're going to do this all day. I can't wait. Ross, are you going to stick around for part two? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, and we also haven't had, Francis, you need to do before the end of part two, we need to have the question of the week. Oh, yes. Um, okay. Uh, what note does a toilet flush in? What note does a toilet flush in? Yeah. Ross, you pick it. You're the guest. What? <laughs> I have no idea. What what note? Well, I just think about it. it. Nor do I. What do you mean think about it? We don't know. I'm going to go for a G minor. G minor? There's yeah. no music. I didn't do music GCSE. Yeah. Who did, Ross? Music GCSE? What? I did not do that. <laughs> I didn't. I low, like, it's low, though, right? It's low. It's like a, it's a deep. It's like, it's like a baritone, like. Oh, there he goes, musician over there. The Baritone. Depends on the toilet. Okay, maybe do do re, you know that one. The the do, re do. mi fa no do re. It's that one. Re. So it's, <laughs> it's a it's a. Is that is that note? Whatever the note that is, that's what it is. What do you think it is? Just you go for it. I'm gonna go for G minor. G minor. I don't know notes. G major. Yeah, you go for G major. I think we're right. right, Ross. I think we've got it. All right, team, listen. Hey, um, we're going to see you all in part two. See you in a jiffy. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.